Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to this live recording of the Claret Blue podcast. I'm Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined by James Rushton this lunchtime. James, how are you, friend? All good. Got uh, coffee, got my water. It's nice and cool. Ready to talk Villa. <laughs> yeah, mate. Happy days. Um, I will excuse any sniffing that might happen in this podcast because <laughs> I've got terrible hay fever today, so I'll try and keep the sniffing and the nose wiping to a minimum. Where We're here today to answer all your Aston Villa or non-Aston Villa questions, whatever you put to us in this live chat here on my screen. We will try our best to answer this afternoon. Um, James, I assume people are going to ask about transfers straight away, so we should we just cover that off first of all? What's the yeah. latest of transfers? Have we signed so, a player yet? Nah. <laughs> there we, <laughs> we go, had let's a, move on. <laughs> we had a Aaron Ramsdale interest. We spoke about that on Facebook Live, but I know this is our podcast, so I guess we need to kind of go over that again, because there'll be people yeah, who weren't here yesterday. Aaron Ramsdale interest, so... Um, that's been reported. Um, Sheffield United have had a bid accepted of around 18 million, whether that's 10 million with 8 million in instalments. Um, don't really know. Don't really care because it's still, whatever your way you look at it, it's 18 million, isn't it? Um, I think he's a, a would be valuable for Villa. Um, clearly a very good keeper. He's 22. I've seen people say he's 34. I don't know. Where, where is that coming from? Someone's I feel, I feel like, with someone else there. <laughs> I think people think he's been sitting on the, the reserves for ages and he's just been called in. Now he's 22. Um, Sheffield United sold him, I think, to Bournemouth. Um, so getting him back. Because Dean Henderson's going on to um, bigger things, unfortunately. I'm um, shame for Sheffield United. They're a very good team. And I think they've been, as we said yesterday, refreshing. So for them to have that loss, I feel for the Premier League, it's a bit of a shame. Um, they need to keep those standards high. Um, but as a Villa fan, if we're on that same level next season, if they drop down a bit... Um, tough for them we have to take that opportunity and I think Ramsdale's a great keeper and bear in mind we've still got Tom Heaton who's uh, injured I feel like if you ask Villa fans if they'll be comfortable with Orion Island based on league cup performances yes absolutely number one uh, based on kind of the um, shaky goalkeeper he became again uh, after project restart I'd say I'd be worried I think there's still a debate to be had about whether the goalkeeper is a priority at this stage I think if we'd already signed some players that were a priority position if we'd already got our striker and our winger and we were looking at right well there's a goalkeeper that's become available let's let's make a move there I think that's when you'd maybe look look to sign one I think because we don't really know what, what's happening with Heaton yet if he's out for another two or three months then yes I think you, you probably do need to sign someone to come in and play in those Premier League games and, and start for us I don't think Nealand would be someone that you'd want to rely on mm. up until January for example um, so whether that's a big name signing that you bring someone in like Ramsdale Ramsgate who we got massively confused <laughs> with yesterday thanks to some of the comments um, whether it's a move like that that's coming in to kind of almost replace Heaton and be the number one and Heaton becomes your backup or you go for someone on loan until Heaton comes back I, I'm not I'm not sure what happens to goalkeeper it just doesn't feel like a priority to me for some reason yeah, I feel like it, it's an odd position, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, a goalkeeper signing is quite literally never exciting. Like, there's yeah, it's no, boring, isn't it? <laughs> but even if you buy someone who's, like, been world-class, like Rainer, it's like, yeah, okay, that's all right. It's never, like, getting... It's a striking one, isn't it? It's a striking one to get excited over. 
Yeah, Heaton was a little different because, you know, I think he had a big reputation. He was very clearly very good and for Villa to get him the same. I feel like people are uncomfortable at spending big money on a goalkeeper. Kind of have to. Um, if you want a quality goalkeeper, you've clearly got to spend big money. And um, Ramster, yeah. the, the kind of price, I mean, I've seen it say, people say 22 million because of the selling clause well, from what I've read. Um, I'm kind of getting my, my understanding of transfer deals is a bit growing a bit um, with every page I read of this book we mentioned yesterday. <laughs> so I'm like just dipping into that knowledge and pretending I'm an expert. Um, but I don't think like if you have a sell-on clause and then you buy the player back, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it exists at all. Like that selling, if you sat, you can't have a sell-on clause to yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like so, how, um, how it makes you sound like an expert by saying my understanding is as if you've got some kind of insider. Like, I've been told, my sources say. Um, yeah, like literally. So we had this Douglas Louise thing yesterday and I was reading oh, on yes. the page of the book and I was like, you know what? I'm on this page. I'll drop the knowledge. I'll have to drop the knowledge. But I'm on, I've, got, I've read yeah, the so, page. I was like, yes, I'm the expert now. What happened with Douglas Louise yesterday is I, I've talked about this before. I'm not one for sitting here and reacting to every piece of breaking yeah. news or, or not not breaking news any, any transfer room that comes through because i don't know i'll just find the whole thing boring which is probably not great to be sat on a villa podcast and my job is part of my job is to talk about what happens i find yeah, you, it boring you, to just guess about me, things yeah you text me it's like what's a good analogy i can use <laughs> that's what i feel i feel like i need some kind of comparison it just seems stupid to work in this industry and not be excited about transfer rumors because that is kind of the bread and butter for what we do um but i don't know it just doesn't excite me because one minute um david louise here we go yeah. douglas louise's <laughs> brother apparently is tweeting something saying like you know, hyping up Douglas basically. Not he's not saying there's a move happening, there's nothing yeah. nothing serious. I've not got it in front of me, but he kinda of just said, you know, my brother, heart emoji, whatever. And everyone's going, Oh my god, that means he's going back to Man City. He he's made the move. His brother's congratulating I'm I'm going back to a big club. Here we go. Everyone's in meltdown. And then a couple of hours later, John Percy's tweeting saying that there's, there's no plans for Pep to bring Douglas Louise back. And it's like and everyone's going, Oh, Yes, absolutely great news. Douglas Louise is staying. It's all you, the, you've had two Twitter meltdowns there in the space of a couple of hours, based on two yeah. separate tweets, and it's like, oh, you can't believe one because you don't want to believe it, and don't believe the other one because you do want to believe it. It's just news, isn't it? I, I'd rather just wait and see what happens for definite. If he moves, he moves. If he stays, he stays. Yes, obviously we want to keep keep these players, and Douglas Louise is a massive part of a Villa trying to have any success next year. But I'm not going to sit here and and get upset let's yeah. say about about a few tweets coming through yeah it's like you know i'm not gonna you know whoever says anything it's not until that until the end of the window nothing's certain like if if man city get an injury in that in douglas louis's position on deadline day do you think they're just not gonna not activate that clause like yeah <laughs> just, any- and just because percy said now that he's he's probably gonna stay because man city aren't interested there's still a month left of the window for that to change yeah. Pep might suddenly go, actually, you know what, I do think we do need him back, we do need the extra depth for whatever reason, and, and the whole situation changes again. Then you look at John Percy's tweet and go, oh, he was wrong. It's like, well, no, things just change. Yeah, like, like you can have an interest in it if you have that clause, if that clause exists, you have an interest in it anyway, like, because that is your, it's like, you pull it there in place to action that deal if, if he comes good. He clearly yeah. has been good, and, you know, things change. It's like this Jack Grealish thing, it, it, stuff always comes down to the wall with these big, big moves. Like, things change, and the problem with transfer news is people disbelieve negative things, so when a 
report in Brazil comes up about one thing, they disbelieve it, and they they're praying for negative news, um, the positive news. When the positive news comes, they they believe it, and it's it's you have to find that middle ground. You know, you have to kind of be rational and uh, apply that critical thinking. You have to realize that. Techn- I know he's Villa's player technically. Like you could consider in Man City's because they have that thing off hanging over his head by that contract, get him in sorted. It's, it's easy as done. Does does that um, buyback clause like run out at any point? Is there is there any point during his time with Villa where that that clause cannot be activated? I feel or is like, that just guesswork. I feel like they originally. I, I think going back to the original signing, it was like next season so as long as we get through next deadline day the next summer's deadline day and they haven't activated it it's gone okay as far as it's as what's been said but i guess like this contract it's never going to be one of the like the martial one that was leaked to like no one really knows you know the 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 small details the uh small in the in the uh, small font at the end of the contract no one really knows it Tim Seeley says Douglas Dorries' cat was seen sleeping on a Man City blanket and must be heading back to Manchester. So this is how it works. And it's not like the oversheets, the thing we brought up. It's like, oh, he's on a plane. He's not wearing Werder Bremen gear. And the he must be like, coming to Villa. Minutes later, he's spotted, like, he's going to their training camp, which you have to yeah. catch from a, a plane from Bremen to Austria. Uh, it's, it, it's it's silly. It's called silly season for a reason. I think it stuff has died down. If Twitter was around in 2006, you know, like, Carry Redknapp hanging out a car window, <laughs> and it, I think Twitter was around in 2006. I don't know, was it? I don't know. No, nah, it was later than that. It's some form, um, maybe. Because I remember you used to have to text to get the send the tweet. You had to send a text to Twitter to, the, <laughs> to put the tweet up. But if it was around in 2000, it'd be mental. Like what you see now is nothing compared to how it was. I remember BBC mm. gossip line hanging on it into like um, quarter past midnight, and stuff was still. It's just madness. People saying they've seen Didier Drogba down the laundrette and stuff. And then the people actually reporting on that, you know, and hanging outside the uh, training grounds. Nothing like that anymore. Yeah, it's, it is weird, isn't it? Because as much as I'm, I'm sat here saying, oh, let's not get carried away with things that we see on Twitter, we host a podcast about Aston Villa where we have to talk about the latest news and rumours and it kind of feels counterproductive to say, oh, no, I don't believe in any of that, but also please please subscribe to our YouTube channel and keep <laughs> keep up to date what we're doing. It, it's conflicting, isn't it? But just personally, as as me speaking and not as a representative of work or the podcast or anyone else that we work with, I just can't buy into the excitement of it anymore. I think maybe when I was younger, it was an exciting thing to to look at rumours and guess how how the lineup might look next season and things like that whereas maybe I'm a little bit more more jaded and boring and negative these days and I don't I don't get excited about guessing that what the lineup might look like next season because things change too much I'll think about what the lineup looks like after the window closes and we'll talk about it then I'm, yeah. I don't really like getting too carried away I feel a bit like how we described Dean Smith about doesn't get too high with the highs doesn't get too low with the lows that's how I want to approach the transfer window if there's a little inkling that oh maybe Douglas Ruiz is going to leave I'm not going to get sit there and, and cry about it because it hasn't happened yet we'll react to it when it happens not not guess about it yeah. um, but I'll fully, I'll fully, I'll fully, I'm fully aware that people do get excited about these things and that, that's in their right too. I'm not, I'm not slagging people off for getting excited about transfer rumours because that, that is part of being a football fan. Personally speaking, I'm just not that bothered anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not a negative thing to not be bothered about. It. It's like I feel it's almost a negative thing to kind of get so wound up about it and um, kind yeah. of constantly and changing your kind of perspective is a good thing. But you know what we saw yesterday was like Douglas Lewis is going, then he's not in the space of an hour. Like literally yeah. the, the hive mind mindset of this is happening, then it's not, and that is it's kind of unhealthy, right? Like you're switching, so you're you're going so far in this one perspective, you're blinded to the other one, and then the other one comes out of nowhere and hits you. And you was hoping for the other one to happen anyway, so you kind of get. It kind of, you know, it, it reaffirms that. It's like, oh, I was doing the right thing anyway because what I wanted to happen happened. And it's not always like that, is it? As we know, it's, yeah. it's never going to turn out like that. But I feel like people have this misunderstanding um, that the your job as a journalist is to break news. And I guess it is to be first to say this is happening, that's happening. But to have, you know, to, to present the full picture, I think, is the best best way to handle it. Is to wait for things to happen, not be the first, but be the the one who presents that best view of things because people people's mind um opinions and stuff is always going to be based off off of an article they've read because it's like yeah. that they're going to go for that confirmation bias and look for stuff that they want to hear um so i think the best job is to wait for what happens if something happens if it's like that deal's done like when um and hln in belgium said uh wesley's coming react to that present the best picture possible and get that that information for a fairly unknown player who villa fans may not have heard of unless you've been playing for for ultimate team you know what i mean (laughs) and get the best picture possible how does this player fit into villa that's the best job you can do rather than being first and then probably wrong to stuff here's a question for you then it's something that we've not really talked about before on air as you as a journalist now as that is in your job description i, I don't class myself as a journalist because it <laughs> no. isn't in my job description i make videos I, I make podcasts that is my role i do social media I, I don't i'm not a journalist i've got no inside information how do you feel about that tag almost that you're expected to know things now just because that's your job that people will be sending you messages going james yeah. any, any, any transfer updates it's like, are you expected to know now it's hard because you know like you've got people who report this stuff all the time and they've been in this job like what how many years 20 years so all the contacts i've built up and i've just come literally off the street you know what i mean i'm not gonna <laughs> not have a year christian perslow's phone phone number like i got something last year and that was just me begging marvelous nakamba's agent please tell me man like, i'm begging you <laughs> like i need i need to um and people are like trusting me as well like i i I'm very fond of my American friends and, you know, when Villa went over to Minnesota, them telling me, like, Douglas Louise, the time because Dean Smith got, like, wandered into a bar and it was, like, some of my best mates in America telling me that and, that you know, being able to say stuff like that and then put your neck out. <laughs> it's fun. Like, it's all part of the fun, but, you know... um the best the best part is just kind of again presenting that that clear clear picture but like i'm not expecting that i'm gonna ever break something until i've been in this job years and got the same level of uh contacts that other people have because it's part of the game isn't it Um, making relationships networking you can't do that when you've been in the job since january and uh you've only been in the office twice and then march has been locked down (laughs) you know what i mean Like that doesn't exist. We've years and years of experience. Yeah, you know, you, you we've both seen Matt Kendrick's phone book and uh, the kind of opportunities he's delivered to the podcast. Like by by just oh yeah, I've got this book's phone number. I've got Carlos Quayle. You know, I've got stuff like this. Like yeah. Off the hand, oh th- this guy's phone number. I've got Stephen Cook's phone number. Like the the the, po- the opportunities that this podcast had because of that. It's only due for years and years of hard work, networking and doing the right thing, which is, you know, keeping your nose to the ground and not trying to be this thing you're not like, not trying to be in in the know and going first to everything. I've got to deliver for the Villa fans because that's a lie. Like, that's a complete lie. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be. Um, but again, the, the best thing to, for Villa fans to wait for is that 
holding up that club scarf, man, because that's a definite. It's not like Joe yeah. Brian taking photos in the kits and heading down the M6. <laughs> um, we are live on Facebook, as I mentioned. This podcast will be available on YouTube after the fact and Spotify, iTunes, whatever whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. Um, should we go to some questions yes. from the live audience? Uh, and they will kind of frame the rest of the show. We'll go back to uh, Mandy Greenshields. Are we having Tammy back with two kisses? So... <laughs> thanks for that Mandy um, are we having Tammy back James we're sort of, we've talked about it to death I feel like at this point whether it's on live or, or on the podcast I can't see it happening but I would love to see him holding up that, that Abraham number 9 shirt I feel like Villa have got a lot of pull for him um, it's again where, where Villa are in this weird position where are they going to be are they going to be in another relegation battle or are they going to be pushing up yeah. that, the, the thing that goes massively against Villa is the unknowns the absolute complete and utter unknowns heading into this next season Villa could be brilliant and they could stumble and I think that can be a hard sell to players because there's you know they've players like Tammy Abraham if they become available it's like when we said about Rashidza it's like you will have so much offers on the table like that could be more enticing. I feel like Villa have yeah. a, a big emotional sway. Um, the money's clearly, very clearly there to spend on a striker. It depends if the situation exists where he be, could become available because he's clearly not available um, right now. But as it heads towards deadline day, who knows? It's it's a, it, As much as it goes for us with Louise and Grealish, it goes for Chelsea and Abraham. And I know he's not that same role in that same role, but we'll just have to see. Um, what else have we got here Holly Jennings uh, a regular commenter the new training where it's fire emoji it is fire yeah. emoji I'm looking at buying some myself the black <laughs> uh, quarter zip jacket it looks very very nice um, who else have we got over here Hermant Katana butchered that name I'm sure Ryan Sessignon how realistic is that this is one we kind of briefly touched on in a yeah. podcast where we looked at our transfer targets and kind of skated over a little bit because it, it did feel a little bit unrealistic um, have your views on that changed at any point in the last couple of weeks I'm going to wait and see until this uh, Tottenham Hotspur documentary comes out at the end of the month on uh, <laughs> Amazon I want to see how he's settling in there because you know uh, when I, before that I might be going ah he's a you know, highly rated you know, one time wonder kid when he's playing every match he's only 17 yeah, Ryan Zesson, he's still, still only 17, <laughs> even now, like years and years on. Um, what age is, he must be like only 19 now as well. I think he's like 20. Some, yeah, I think wow, he's hit 20. Ago. He's absolutely hit 20. Um, before watching that documentary, I go, nah, it's very unrealistic. When I see Jose Mourinho, or he, he did say how to pronounce his name. It's not Jose. It's definitely it not? not Jose. No, he did say, like, it's in the trailer as well, so I'm messing up here. Um but like after watching that documentary, we're going right. We got to go in for him. Absolutely, we got to get him. Seeing him on the outskirts training on his own, yeah, Villa can give him um, all, all the games. On First team football. There's a lot of like rumours linking Villa to like a left back or a new fullback, and I feel like Sesson on wing left back. That it does it for me. To be fair, I feel like you know, it's like it's like the goalkeeper thing. People criticise the goalkeeper sign because it's a lot of money. What do you think Sessegnon's going to go for? And it's going to be at, yeah. at the very least to like when we spoke about Abraham yesterday to get in. You know, you've got to send that low ball bid, and even even with Sessegnon, that low ball bid is still going to be like at least fifteen million to even get into the room talking to Daniel Levy. So you know, you're talking fifteen to thirty million just because of the age and the reputation he's had, even if he hasn't kicked on at Tottenham. Yeah, and that doesn't feel that realistic, does it, when you say it like that? No. Um, comment here from Darren May. He says, if they're sending Davis out on loan, does that mean we're close to bringing in a striker? Now, I'll feel a little bit out of the loop here because I've not seen anything with Davis going out on a loan. Can you give me more information on this? So I think um, Ash Priest um, give the lowdown to um, Lancashire Live who cover Preston North End. But um, they have been talking 
about a, uh, a deal. There's been links um, with Davies heading to Preston. I think it was in the Sun, like uh, two or three days ago. So yeah, it's a uh, it's it's one of the links of an of an outgoing plan that will be Keane and Davies on loan to uh, Preston North End. If it happens, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's very clearly that Villa need to bring a striker in anyway. I feel like that's yeah. the single most obvious thing that happens. So whether Davis goes out now or later in the line, Villa's still going to be getting a striker in. It's like I don't think it hinged on necessarily yeah. anything happening with Davis because it was very clear that Villa going to get a striker, striker, and that's going to knock him down the um, knocking down the the uh, pecking order. He needs that championship game time. He needs um, 38, 46 games. He needs to play. He's a yeah. good player. And this is score goals as well, like we've said before. Get out, score goals for a year, come back and then see if there's a place at Villa there. If he's not developed in, in a year away in the Championship, then you look at moving him on anywhere. Um, Danny Barker asks, when is the Kappa contract over? Now, I feel like I'm guessing here, but I think that's next season, is it? Is this the yes. last year with them? So it ends in 2022. So next season's yeah. kit will probably, I think that's the last one, unless I have one more in 2022 to take it to 2023, but the deal's over in 2022. What do you think of Kappa? My opinion's changed on them since having them. When we first had, were rumoured to be getting them, I was like, oh, it's a little bit almost, oh, I don't know if this is a stereotype, like I can say, a little bit chavvy, a little bit <laughs> kind of not 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 the best best, best brand for sport. I don't know, maybe I'll be stupid with that. Um, but I just thought, you know, plastering the, the logo all over the sleeves and down the side of the body, I was thinking, oh, I don't know, it just looks a bit tacky. Whereas I think I'm pretty pretty happy with the, the kits we've had with them I prefer this year's home to last year's home um, last year's away was pretty nice the training gear all looks pretty good I've not owned any of it but I've, I've seen a lot of it obviously you've got stuff with the the um, sponsors peeling off and the Kappa men falling off and stuff like that and that, stuff like that isn't great but things like that happen with other kits as well so um, I don't I don't mind Kappa my yeah. perception has definitely changed but the thing with stuff peeling is people ain't washing it Right, <laughs> like just chucking it in with a normal wash. Like I've had how many kits had what's peeled? It was like the Macron one. And it was oh like yeah, the 60- Macron ones were terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but that was because of the thin kind of transfers. Like, I've not had an issue with Kappa, and I wash it all. Like, I wash it every time I wear it. I'm not one of these ones who's kind of protecting it. I chuck it in. Yeah, um, but you got to wash it in a specific way. You can't be ironing it. You know the wrong way. You've got to follow. Like, there's instructions on the label to keep it in care, and like no one's following them. <laughs> it, like, if, it, like stuff peels, right? So you can have quality issues, but if you follow the instructions, the washing something is an act of destruction in the first place. It's tearing away at the fabric. So you can't be chucking it in over and over again with loads of like, detergent and not even following the instructions. It's going to fall apart. That was like basic information. Um, but yeah, there have been, there have been a few issues. I mean, the transfers have been wonky and stuff and not all the stitching has been correct, but I feel like I haven't got this year's kit, but the general reaction has been fairly positive. I'm not yeah. too keen on the design, but what you can say about Kappa, right, is they try. Like that, Villa are one of their flagship brands, along with Batiste and Monaco. They're trying for these teams, so at least when Villa have a design, there's some thought put into it, right? And I appreciate that it's not like a template. People want Nike Adidas. If you're gonna get that, you're getting a template. Yeah, fair. I think it's template as well, by the way, not template. template. Johnny Wilcox says, of all the transfer rumours Villa have been linked to, who's the most likely? Do you think? I'll put my neck on the line. Say Watkins, Ben Rama, Ben Rama as well. Really? I'm, just I, definitely... say, I'm not. I don't know any. I'm just saying. I feel like they've got a good. There's a good relationship there. I saw a report and it said that his transfer fee had been knocked down to like twelve million. Who's this? Uh, ben Watkins. Rahm. No, Ben. Rahm. Twelve million for Ben Rahm. Yeah, yeah. There must Where be uh, something that? going on there. I, I saw it. I, I can source it because I'm spreading everything. misinformation here to the public. 
People yeah, are going to be now on Twitter going, oh my God, Ben Rahm was out for 12 million. Jones well, we rushed, rushed and the journalist said so. We put it out about three or four days ago if no one's going mad about it then. Now I can, like, oh, I'm really, not adding I'm not, any fuel to I'm the not fire. Saying that. I think Watkins I, is the is the most realistic one. Someone took a picture mm. of him with, in an airport, didn't they, yesterday, I think, a Villa fan, and said like, oh, you're signing, to Villa, for, signing for Villa, and he just laughed. And it's like, whoa, well, what does that mean? And it's like, it oh, doesn't mean anything, does it? He's not no, going to say, is he, it? He shouldn't be getting in people's faces with a camera for one. Ollie Watkins isn't even like fully famous, is he? He's like a championship striker for Brentford. You can't be well, harassing him on his holiday. Yeah, it's like, I, I couldn't do that, man. Like, I know people like to do that. I know there's a journalistic thing where, like, you know, when Perslow gets the camera like in, in his face and politics, they're walking down the street and they're getting in right into him. I couldn't do that when they're on holiday. Yeah, same. Like, so it's not. It's different because it's like it's not like they've come from a, a really important meeting with stuff to say. Like, this <laughs> bloke is queuing up to get his passport checked to get into the country. Like, so, yeah, I love all those stories where it's like, oh, I just just met Ollie Watkins in the airport and he told me this, this, and that, and it's like he didn't know, did he? <laughs> he just didn't. <laughs> He did not like it's like, like I've just seen Ollie Watkins in the Balfour and the geezer it's like on holiday like literally 15 minutes ago like oh, god this stuff just, kills it's, me it's just weird uh Holly Jennings says where the hell is Matt such a part-timer he's had it's a week holiday. off holiday he's on holiday two. is it two weeks yeah two this weeks is the second week jeez he is a part-timer I thought it's only a week yeah we've had to get James on instead it's just not the same is it to be fair Matt's not going to say anything about transfers he's just going to like make a joke and make an anagram or something that's that's what people want mate that is what people want now we've got we've uh, got the pub quiz third episode coming out this week and Matt will be on that so if you're missing Matt and his stupid analogies he'll be back then and I think he's back on the podcast uh, next week probably because you'll be binned off for him as a pro cheers <laughs> yeah, all, mate. Um, what else have we got in the comments a lot of uh, a lot of questions here tell you what what would um, people say that one of the newest ones what would people say if you bring Benteke back and I'm so sick of hearing that geezer's name like I you don't fancy wanna... him at all do you like this guy uh, he, like Everton can make that mistake like... <laughs> um, someone's asked me if I'm related to Libor Kozak which I've got the big nose to be fair so Dean you can take it I, honestly say what you want about me I do not care he's a, he's a good looking bloke uh, <laughs> uh Justin says, are we shipping out Ali Samata? Uh, we talked about this, me and Matt, on the episode that we yeah. did, I think the, the Why Jack Greer Should Stay episode. And it does feel like if Villa bring in a big signing up front, say Watkins, you've got Wesley, do you need Samata or do you keep Samata around and Davis goes out as your as your third choice? What, what do you think we do with Ali Samata? Is he worth just keeping around for, for the sake of a squad? Uh, so if Villa bring in two strikers, I, I feel like he's very clearly one on the chopping block. Yeah. Um, but if you're only bringing that one key striker, um, Samata stays for me. Um, I was really impressed with his mentality at the end of um, the, the project restart. I know he really struggled to even get a shot on target, but the way he was kind of leading the press and getting involved and being like that leader from the front, I feel like that went. Uh, that was something we were completely missing with uh, even Wesley, you know, and and Davis. We we didn't have that leader up front. Someone getting keen with instructions. Someone listening. It's like how Douglas Luiz involved. Um, evolved. He's suddenly telling uh, McGinn and Grealish where to be instead of like listening for instructions. He's suddenly getting involved. I yeah. feel like Samata grew that kind of same way, and he was getting involved. He's got a good mentality. Two five five champion boy, man. Like the, the what was he called in terms of the, <laughs> the boy who can never lose? I feel like that changed when he came to well, Aston Villa. He can lose <laughs> a little bit, yeah, just a little bit. Um, but now, I, like, I'm not necessarily is this out and out Premier League goal scoring threat. 
but I rate him as a person, as a team player. Like I feel like there's clearly room for him in this Villa squad. You know, Wesley coming back October at the earliest, so yeah. there's still very clearly room in this squad for him. Uh, two comment part question for Omar here. He says Everton a bid for Decore. Would you go for him? <laughs> what do we think? I mean, I assume that's going to be a lot of money to get him anywhere. Nah, I mean, what for dog? Everton do their thing in it. Like if they want, if they wanted Theo Walcott back in the day, they wanted uh, Saint Tozen back in the day. They can make those mistakes. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're make making it out like Decore will be a bad signing then. No, I, I, I feel like for the money people go for, it's not the way Villa operate. The money these players go for, there's clearly similar options elsewhere. Like that's how you need to work. You need to look: is this club overbidding? Are they overvaluing that player? Who who fits the same template? It's like Calvin Phillips last season. You're going to get Calvin Phillips 30 million. I think he would have been brilliant for Villa. You can get two players for 15 million, around 50 million each, or 10 million in the Camber and Douglas Louise. And that just that it, that makes sense for me. Yeah. Um, Russell Evans says, Do you think that we're playing catch up with signings? This is weird, isn't it? Because as much as, yes, the season starts, what is it, three and a half weeks or something now? Um, and I would like all our business done before the first game of the season. There's still room for that to happen. There's still three weeks for us to make all those signs before the first game. It's a weird, it's a weird summer, isn't it? This year, we don't really know what clubs are going to do. There's not many clubs that have made many signings yet. On the patch that we cover, Nottingham Forest have signed a couple, Coventry have signed a couple, but there's been no major moves anywhere, has there really? Um, so, are we playing catch up? I'm not sure I'd word it like that. I would like to see signings at this point, but the fact that we haven't isn't a negative, in my opinion. It's just the way that the world's working at the moment. Yeah, so you're you're looking at a completely new context where have Villa got that same amount of power. I feel like they do have a fair bit of power, but it's it's trying not to get exploited by other teams as well. It's not trying to fall into that Brentford yeah. trap of paying like twenty million for a player that looks really good at that level who's never going to play for Villa. Like just, you can't do the the kind of Scott Hogan and Ross McCormack mistakes by just lead, trying to lead in the market and trying to get those punches in earlier, and making massive mistakes whether it's in January or or the summer. So I feel like just take your time, make the smart moves, get it bang on. You know, you can't, you shouldn't be losing like that. You shouldn't be setting yourself up to fail by just going out and striking, striking, trying to get these lightning deals in. doesn't make any, yeah. it, it makes sense to fans. It's like set your business up early, get in for pre-season. This isn't last summer. Like this isn't the summer before. This is totally new. Like pre-season doesn't exist like here. <laughs> We've got two, you're talking a week and a half or two weeks, three weeks of people practising before games you're talking teams looking to looking to uh, exploit teams you're talking about teams kind of being nervous about putting that first bid in nah not for me do, do you think like, that this is different a, do you think there's an argument that the project restart style of football is almost like a pre-season that the games came so thick and fast I know they were obviously more competitive than pre-season you're not rotating as much as you would during pre-season but you had a massive three or four month break then you have a quick fire ten game period <laughs> three weeks off and then back into it again and that almost acts as a bit of a pre-season yeah I feel like kind you of. only really saw the real Villa like kind of the signs of it what they were wanting to be come out during say um, the first the 10 last, minutes the last, of the Man United game before the they got games, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like that was it like the first few games they were like this nothing, I don't want to say nothing team but it was very the way they took to it pre-season it's like they're not up to speed and the players are clearly decent enough but they've lost a little step um, in, in kind of teamwork and that that chemistry. Um, but 
you know, the first 10 minutes of the Man United game, they showed signs of that cohesiveness until kind of a moment happens which scuppers the entire game for them and they feel like everything's going against us, chuck it. But they picked themselves back up and went for it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like the start of Project Restart was very pre-season like, weren't it? Good, good point for me there. Um, Carl Billingham <laughs> says, should we go for Ross Barkley? It's an interesting name, actually. One I've not yeah, really like considered. Um, is he at Chelsea still? Yeah, but I feel I feel like why why would you go for Ross Barkley and that's Jack Grealish goes right like that's the only yeah. way I could see it's like the Buendia thing we go on about Buendia all the time available to for literally for twenty million like that's the price you'd go for and I feel like Ross Barkley Buendia I'm going for Buendia like every day and I feel like the only situation you're ever going to be in a position to sign Ross Barkley in terms of fee and wage but the the package fee and wages would be if Jack Grealish goes or alone maybe. Chelsea yeah. be open to a loan potentially. Yeah, I just feel like Brendan is probably way more exciting for me. Yeah, <laughs> agree. Like, way um, more. What else have we got? I mean, the comments are catching up a little bit. Well, I'm going back in time, so as people are talking about Keenan Davis here, so we'll kind of scout up, uh, scout. What am I trying to say? Scoot over that a little bit. I'm tired. Um, what else have we got? Do you feel like we'll see many youth players make the step up next season? Barry, Jaden, etc. This is from Christopher Cheap. No, got like, Villa got some good young players. You got Carney, uh, I can't say his last name, Chukwemeka. I guess that's a, a good effort. Mungo Bridge, um, yeah, Bassler stepping up. Um, Louis Barry, of course. Um, you got people coming in. Uh, Sills Finkels. I was a, a key name. I picked that. It looked quite funny to say out loud. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I can't be doing him like that. Um, but I, I feel like Villa trusting their academy. Um, whether that's come straight away, I, they ain't got the five subs anymore. They ain't got the extended bench. So I feel like that's a big negative in terms of getting youth players playing. The players yeah. that we playing for Aston Villa are going to be players, obviously, that were part of the squad last year and key, new key signings this year. Whether young players fit into that. I don't really see how that could happen until it's the end, you know, a throwaway at the end of the season when we're clearly yeah. safe. Cup we games. ain't got much to play for. Um, well, there's always stuff to play for. You play for the badge and the fans and free points, don't you? Regardless, and your, your win bonuses and all that, you play for points and the position in the table. But I can't see it happening until like the last few games of the season, if I'm completely honest, or or an injury, issue, massive injury issue. So you know, it's yeah. never off the cards. Players can impress. Um, but look, if you look at the evidence last season. Vasilev only got onto the bench despite really kicking on for the under-23s because Villa lost their, all their strikers. Look at that. Yeah. That was easy. We, we don't want that to happen again. No. <laughs> That'd be a shambles. Um, Sean Jones says, is anyone actually close? What are your predictions on when we might get when we may get someone through the door? Butchered the question. Um, no insider knowledge here, but I would love to see someone come through this week because I think you do need to the, you do need to get someone in to get that ball rolling at some point. Um, yeah, you don't want to be leaving it too close to the start of the season before you make your first move. I think because there is still starting to to roll into place now, Villa need to to get someone in with players coming back from their holidays and stuff like that. Go and get your main target, get them through the door, and and, and get it done. Yeah, these these moves ain't going to be happening until holidays are over. Um, I mean, de- it, it makes no sense because people are saying deals can't happen if you're on holiday. They very clearly can. Like, it's not impossible, but I feel like everyone's taking their time, resetting and uh, planning for the above season. Like, people, some teams might know, not even know kind of what players they want to fit their team. They, they want to see people back in training. They want to see the levels. They want to see fitness levels. They want data. They want to see how is this team going to set up for the next season before going, we need to sign this player, that player, and this player and get it done. And 
potentially land themselves, dig themselves into a big hole before the season's even begun. So, you know, we need to take time. A lot of people have said, and this isn't just like people in the English transfer market, but all over, they don't expect massive deals or the key deals or the constant churn of the transfer window until either A, that first deal is done and it kind of opens up a merry-go-round or B, September. So we've got time to wait, man. Uh, another question from Hollis. She says, when is the current blue Christmas party? Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got nothing planned. Probably won't even be out of seat. Yeah, exactly. At Christmas you've, got still. To, you've got to think about people's health as well, man. Like, <laughs> I've, I've seen pictures of that party in Dublin. We've got, we can't be letting it get like, let like that. We, we have to it, be taking... It, it, it would be a great idea to do, uh, you know, meet Villa fans and have a drink and stuff. But yeah, no plans to do anything like that. But if it is a current blue Christmas party, it would be at Christmas. Terrible joke. Uh, the religion Aston Villa FC says a statement striker signing Tammy or Eduard. Um, I assume he means Eduard. He's put Eduardo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either would either would be great, and a show of intent as will cost forty million plus. That is a, a a nice kind of way of looking at it. If we do make a big signing like Tammy Abraham and it is a fifty million striker signing, that does show what Villa are about this season. Some yeah, people like, would say, "Well, maybe that means we're spending the Jack Grealish money before he actually leaves." But I would look at, in, interpret that as Villa are making a real fist of it for next season. Edward, for me, bang on. Honestly, I mean, people say this pub league stuff. The guys scoring goals that are, you know, we spoke about on our. Uh, our transfer episode, didn't we? The guy scoring goals at a clip, and you see, you know, Moussa Dembele move to Leon, and people say, Oh, he's been only performed in the pub league, then the geezer scoring against Man City. It don't make it, you know, it makes no sense. If a guy is clearly hitting at the same rate as Dembele, get excited about that, make that deal happen because he's clearly a good player. If you're scoring, if you're fitting that role in that template in that league, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a pub league or not, or the qualities of the work, the guy's good, go for it. All right. Fair enough. Um, Adam Kelsey says, how many outgoings are we likely to see? Bree, Lansbury, Kalinic, name a few. Yeah, I think all three of those are probably likely to all, to all leave. You do need to trim that squad a little, little bit, don't you? If you're going to bring in another four or five signings, you're looking at a squad of 30 plus at that stage. So people are going to have to leave. It's just where they end up and who's going to come and bring, who's going to come and give Henry Lansbury 30 grand a week or whatever he's on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that you might be lowballing him there. I'll be on a bit more. Uh, I'm trying to be you know, uh, realistic. Trying to be conservative. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't know, do we? I'd assume no, it's more, but I don't know. A lot of stuff gets said about wages. People don't really. News just in that we just got from our uh, FB page. Villa have reportedly met Rashid's asking price. Okay, let's have a quick <laughs> scout on Twitter see if that see if what's happening. Uh, is this oh, just that. reacting to the latest news though? Yeah, do we actually we, know if been, there's anything? We've been hit with a hammer blow, Richie. So, like as we said, like that'd be a, a marquee signing. We spoke about him last three podcasts now at length. Yeah, so I know. there's nothing more to say apart. From <laughs> I, was literally, I was literally about to say I don't know what else to say about this guy now. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing more to say about the, the fact that he fits the role at Villa very clearly well. Um, RB Leipzig are probably thinking twice about going for him because I feel like they've only paid top dollar for a few players and one of them was Naby Keita who they sold on and the way Leipzig off, operate and the, they paid 25 their record transfer fee to their sister club Salzburg so they haven't paid a lot of, they don't pay a lot of money for good players because the way they operate the model is get the player in profit like is there much profit to be made on a player you're paying 25 to 30 million for and it's Rashida. I'm not. They've probably got someone else in mind who they can profit more on and develop. Yeah. That's the way the club works. They don't overextend themselves. They've got a very clear model, and maybe he doesn't fit into that anymore. Um, I saw a lot of people doing that. Um, 
journalist in, I think Arlen Sadiku um, from Kosovo first said Villa had many yeah. asking price. It, it, do you know what it smacks to me of is this very similar situation to Nakamba when it broke in Zimbabwe, his country, and people didn't believe it because it came from Zimbabwe. And I feel like people do that journalism down when it's coming from a different country, which is really unfair because, you know, if the guy's been told something, the guy's been told something. And, you know, yeah. it's up you know, it's, people just think it's lies. And like we but said, also, on I, the other hand of that, you would then be able to say, well, an English journalist has said something about an English player. That doesn't yeah. mean that's always true either. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like what we said in our transfer room, I think. There's always going to be a snippet of truth in things because people don't, people think that you just look at one player and get that one player. You're looking at hundreds. <laughs> like you've got yeah. this, this massive list and you're always making connections and speaking and trying to get these deals. And that journalist knew Rashica personally. Like yes. he'd been speaking about him a long time as um, Omar Ritbos just brought up. Like, people would just go in, he's doing it to get the agent a better deal. You think people aren't looking at Rashica? Like, <laughs> like, that's you not when people need... come to us and say, "I'll oh, stop trying to sell Jack Grealish." It's like, well, I'm pretty yeah, sure Man United like, are fully aware of the guy. <laughs> if someone wanted to do that, that'd be like build Birmingham. They'd be getting this stuff out everywhere. It doesn't happen. Like, do you not yeah. know how a cost of a journalist with a thousand followers? Like, you, you aren't, are you? Yeah. So I'll read you the quotes the, from this latest update. Then this is from what is it, Sadiku? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, the sport, super sport Kosovo broadcaster Sadiku is what we've put. It says in an update below, he said Milo Rusica will not play tomorrow in Werder Bremen's friendly match against LASK. The club does not want to risk Rusica suffering any injuries that could affect the transfer. Aston Villa is the team that has fulfilled Werder's requests for the amount desired by the Germans, but the transfer depends very much on the footballer himself. Milo's wish is to play in the Champions League. <laughs> So just because the Villa have put a bid in for 22 million or however much this is expected to be, if the player doesn't fancy the move, it's kind of irrelevant, isn't it, really? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. good to see Villa going after their target and saying, here's the money, this is what you want, we're prepared to give it to you. But if he's looking at Villa have just finished 17th and he fancies a go in the Champions League, he's not going to come, is he? Unless we go in with a big offer that suddenly changes his mind. He thinks, oh yeah, I've always rated Aston Villa, let's go there. Yeah, it just goes back to what we were just saying. You can you can be looking at all these players, putting tentative bids in, putting actual bids in, and then it comes down to it, a player doesn't want it. This stuff happens all the time like this isn't yeah. a new situation but I feel like um, the focus is so much more on Rashica because big name player someone who has been circulated with uh, Liverpool and uh, Dortmund Leipzig big clubs with uh, big big trending followings big Twitter followings you know the news gets around quickly with these clubs so you know it's again I know we're always referring back to Tammy Abraham stuff that when you're at that level and the there's offers on the table you know, there's a lot for him to consider and maybe Villa yeah. may not be at the the top of that list for him. But I feel like we, we're, a, we're a good fit. We've got a role, you know, and we've got money to spend. We want to improve. We want to hold on to our key player, Jack Grealish. We want to hold on to another one, Douglas Louise. We've got John McGinn as well. We've got a lot of pull. Like we, we've got good players and we're on the up. I just feel like it's a bit of a hard pitch at the moment. Again, going, going back to what we were saying about where do Villa stand now? Because, you know, we you got promoted as, you stayed up as the 17th team and, you know, that, that's the bottom of of everyone else. Yeah. But that doesn't really mean, mean much for the ambition of the club and where they want to be next no. year. But, I just feel and, like... And likewise, the other way, just because Sheffield United finished off the top of my head, was it 8th, 9th, 
something like that. Oh, I can't remember that, where they no, finished. Yeah, yeah, it's thereabouts, man. It, does, Do, it doesn't they necessarily... Finished, they finished higher than I anticipated. Just because they did that this year doesn't mean they'll do it again next year, is what I'm trying to yeah, say. exactly. Where you finish one year doesn't affect the next year exactly. Whatever Villa do in this transfer window will affect how they f- perform next year, not yeah. just going, oh, well, they finished 17th last year, so they'll be rubbish no, again. That, that, it, that's just more so the evidence that they've got until you get that player in, show them around yeah. the training facilities. You know, If they reject it before then, that's their problem. They've missed out. Yeah. You know, they've missed out on moving to Aston Villa. It's their fault. But, you know, that's that's what they've got to go on. Uh, Joe, John Spear asks, is everyone back training at Bodymore Heath? I don't think anyone's back for Villa yet. Uh, are there? Is it next I week? It, I think it is this week. I think okay. it is either yesterday or tomorrow. But, again, we'll see stuff coming out from Villa from, as soon as you see pictures. It's back on. But I do think it was this week. Okay. I've just it's just because I've seen Jack Grealish doing training videos and training pictures in Greece somewhere, I think. So I just assume that they were still off for another week or so. Um Danny Barker again asks before the pandemic there was talk about working on the north stand and safe standing in the whole end. Do you think this will be put on hold? Um I would assume yes. I think a lot of plans will have been put on hold because of the pandemic. Um the, the talk always with Villa was that they were waiting on stadium developments to see what league they were in. This is when they were in the championship. It's like, well, if we get promoted, we can probably start looking to do things. We've got promoted, and then in the year that we have, we've been hit with a global pandemic that probably puts plans back on hold anyway. So, yes, I would assume it's still in Villa's mindset to improve the stadium at some at some stage, but when that happens now, I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah, they need to... I said it yesterday, and I'm glad no one replied and caught it out because I didn't think it through. I thought you could have rail seating, right? If you wanted fans back in, you could have rail seating and put plastic, plastic screens up. <laughs> I was thinking, how would people get through? Like, they wouldn't be able to get through. You'd have to have a movable plastic screen, like a door. Yeah, I'd delete that tweet if I were you. Um, <laughs> Jaden Dobinson says, do you think Ollie Watkins would play as a striker or out on the wing? Striker interesting point, actually. wing. So he'd come in to play up front, score goals. But if we saw, so what position? So what scenario would it would we need to see him out on the wing? Because we've signed a Tammy Abraham and he's the main man, and Watkins is going to start out on the right, or he's going to he's going to play on the wing as cover. Yeah, it's kind of like if you've got that that marquee shot um, signing in to play strike. And Dean Smith has said like Ollie Watkins was always going to be a strike. It's like kind of what Steve Bruce was saying about Yedinak. He was always going to be a centre back in my mind. It's like Dean Smith said the same with Ollie Watkins, not centre back but centre forward. He was always yeah. going to be a centre forward. He had quality to um, back up Neil Mopai in his time at um, Brentford. So I feel like I'd be very happy with him as a centre forward. But I feel like when Wesley comes back or kind of the player that fits that profile, the hold up man, the, the focal point. There is threat, more threat, and opportunity for Watkins on the wing to do some damage. Um, oh, this is a, a nice point to count what you just said. Bottom of the uh, bottom of everyone else, but first in the relegation scrap. So yeah, no, that's the best way of looking at it, man. We're we losing some dog, capacity. Yeah. Top dog in that scrap. Uh, Sean Brady says, Jordan Shakiri from Liverpool worth a shout to play wide wide right." Oh, I always forget he was at Stoke City yeah. at one point. How yeah, mad is that? Very good player. Like I, I love Shakiri, but I feel like the problem is when these players, it's like Origi, when they, they, these players move to Liverpool, they get smacked with a massive wage, and that like prices them out of that. Let's yeah. get back to normality. You know what I mean? I feel like when uh, Villa went down, how much you reckon that, he's on? Man, like I would say, uh, it's got to be hundred grand at the least. So if you're moving to Villa, that would make him until I'd assume a new contract for Grealish, the highest paid player. <laughs> like I think that, so. you got to think about disruption to um, kind of the wage structure in the dressing room. Like, you know what I mean? What's, what has Shakiri done to be Villa's highest paid player? Like that—that's how I, he's no. a very good player. But like <laughs> compared to Grealish and Louise and McGinn, nah. That, you, then you're talking new contracts for all these lot. 
And then you're yeah. talking that complete disruption of village wage structure. It needs to build on, but it needs to build steadily. You can't just be bringing in these signs. You want to collapse that structure instantly. It needs to, needs to have that natural progression, lest you um, collapse, go down, and you completely destroy the club. Having said that, I would assume that if we keep hold of the players that we expect or that we want to, Grealish, Louise, McGinn, Mings, are they going to get new contracts this summer? As part of that, and that will get them the, the wage rise to start Villa being this more well-rounded yeah, you, almost you just got to take your baby steps, haven't you? Instead of bringing in everyone who's going to be on 100, 120 grand this summer, look at that as a next summer thing. You've yeah. got to build. It's like last season, you had to take them baby steps and look from last season, where Trezeguet developed a little bit who could be you know, something a lot better than the player he was. You had Louise de- develop into the player he is now, which is linked back to Man City, then linked to staying at Villa, linked to a new contract. you got McGinn, who I've heard is going to be, um, I think I saw a report about him being offered a new contract, Grealish with a new contract. So you've got to take these baby steps, pay the players who deserve it and have saved you this season, the, yeah. the quality ones, and then start thinking about upping that wage structure. But I can't see Shakiri coming in and then being given this wage structure, this wage packet, when he's done nothing. At, he wouldn't have done anything at Villa to deserve that. Like, I feel like reward the players who have saved you this season, McGinn, Louise, um, Grealish, and then build build the court, build that core of the squad, keep it together. I think that's massively important. Shakiri again, it's a Grealish goes move for me. Yeah, but also without getting carried away and giving out five-year massive contracts to everybody and a massive yeah. wage increase. And then if you do get relegated at any point, you're screwed. You've got to be sensible about it. And I, I feel like Villa probably are more sensible now than they, they yeah. ever have been. Which it goes again. The, the sensible thing is if you want to pay big wages, pay it to the players who have earned that and keep them. Yeah, You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, I'm going to ask you one more transfer question because I feel like we've just done everything to death and we're only here for another five minutes or so. So if anyone's got any non-transfer related questions, non-football related questions at this point, I don't care. We've, we've got through 45 minutes without talking rubbish. So uh, I feel like we need some light relief. I don't uh, know about that, man. I feel like maybe I'll... <laughs> Facebook Live is a very rewarding place when it comes to YouTube. It's a whole different story, yeah. isn't it? Good point. Uh, final transfer question then from Owen. He says, do you think 40 million is too much for Odson Eduard that we've been linked with from Celtic? Is it too much? He's, he's, he's 22, I think. He's scored 40-odd goals in 60 games. Yes, it's not a, a league that was comparable to the, to the Premier League in terms of standard, but he scores goals. He's young. He's got sell-on value. 40 million is probably about what people want, isn't it, these days? Oh, man, it works for me. And the reason it works for me, again... Like, would you pay forty million for Moussa Dembele from Lyon right now? I would. Yeah, I'd do it for Edward then. Get in. So, like, just in a question about even Tony, that's who Brentford are looking at to kind of step up into the team when Watkins and Barama go. Yes. But yeah, you like it's just get in early and get the player you want before they make that move, and then you, you you're you're the victim of being sold on at a massive price. The players are still playing; they're going to develop. But the best thing about kind of this Villa coaching staff is how the players have developed under them. Like people just yeah. say, "Oh, Greed just kicked on, Louise has kicked on." They ain't done it on their own. Like they've been coached. Trezeguet's been coached. Like that's Villa's coaching staff. Like they're doing yeah. their job, and like that's why Dean Smith's in. You know, Cutler, John Terry, Craig Shakespeare, O'Kelly are doing their job, and that's the best thing about Villa is seeing these players imp- improve. You, you probably didn't think last season that this buyback clause for Douglas Luiz was ever going to happen. Like the yeah, reason true. it is is because he's kicked on massively. And he's a brilliant player. Um, there's a question from Twitter from Tom Banner. He says, "Do a World Cup of best Villa players from the 21st century? It's so much harder than doing the worst players." And it's something that we did talk about at one stage. But we realised there's probably like five or six good Aston Villa players, and you probably won't be able to, to do a knockout tournament. So it's easy. We're doing a kit one right now. We do. So we've got the um, two qualifiers 
getting out of the way. So we'll have yeah. the first round, a few first round fixtures drop at like five o'clock, something today. So is that, um, is that today? I've got to make some graphics in. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to be using a few shirts you've already used. To be honest, you're going to be using at least two because we're going to true. get those fi- yes, fixtures out of the way. So um, we're doing that. It's easy to decide on that because you just literally counted back and back, right? You just went, right, the, this year's kit, go back 32, <laughs> 32 <laughs> yeah. kits and then stop at a good one. That's why we got the qualifiers because we had um, a, f- a few more that needed to be to get in because I think we cut out at 32 teams and I think that was just before 1984. So we wouldn't have even had the 1982 yeah, unless yeah. we kind of went further. So we had two qualifiers to kind of get a few get it to 32 and then kick on we can do that with villa players it depends on the criteria like your dues like what would you would you say player of the season every year because then you're going to get albert adoma and like for two years in a row you know what i mean you just have to guess all pull out all the big names wouldn't you and then fill up the numbers with other decent players but use who scored ratings get you could do a massive one 64 players that i reckon that'd be grand talking of those kits we did uh the one of the show 2012 versus 2017 easily 2017 for me and ironically the one i'm wearing yeah, which is I, looks I, pink I, in real life it looks better when it's shirt. drenched in sweat and it makes it a little bit darker yeah uh, it's, it's, it grew it grew on me it's a pretty I, I, I simple will shirt, say that like 2012 it. macron had a lot of love because that had a lot more love as the best macron shirt people were saying that but it got you know it's yeah. a matchup it, it's just going to get hammered by that kit because that that was the best under armor kit they only had to didn't they so the other two were this year's uh, Kappa kit versus the 2001 uh, Diodora NTL shirt, which, to be fair, I don't mind it, but in that picture in particular, it's pink, isn't it? So it's not you, have to go with the new, you have to go with the new kit out of those two. And what I will say about that Diodora shirt is that in... You know, that shirt is the most Villa shirt without obeying any of the Aston Villa's design <laughs> conventions. Ain't got no blues to leaves. There's barely any blue on it. It's not even claret. It's like it is pink or purple, depending on the lighting. So, yeah. But it works for me, to be fair. It's just, it's again the matchups, and it. The matchups are going to destroy some good shirts. Oh, mate, 100%. Some of those ones you've put in that knockout tournament, there's going to be some uh, disappointed people, I'm sure. Um, another one from Twitter. I've got a couple more before we go. Um, because I'm starving <laughs> Ross Haywood <laughs> says let's hear some podcasts with some more ex-players and hear what they're thinking about the new season where we think we'll finish etc I would love to get more ex-players on but as always with things like this it's very difficult to, to get people organised and, and sorted it was a lot easier during the peak of lockdown when people literally couldn't leave the house because we could just say oh here's a link click on this give us an hour thank you very much people's lives are starting to chug back into um you know, get back into steam aren't they so people are busy with actual things to do so it is difficult to get people but if we can get anyone on we, we will still work to do so um is there anyone you'd like to see james like a dream podcast guest maybe Ian Taylor's grand, isn't he? Um, we've already had him, but just just been on again and again. I think what what did we get hit with before? It was like a, an agent saying, "If you want this this ex player on here, it's five hundred quid." Yeah, it was a list, wasn't it, of two yeah, or three? Yeah. I think it was like we, all I don't represented think we can name them. It's very obviously good big former villains who have been in the media, who have agents who are obviously, they deserve to be paid for their time, I guess. Yeah, of course, but it's a lot of... tricky, man. (laughs) A lot of money for a couple of those names, like hundreds of pounds so yeah i'm not gonna pay like a hundred quid by the company <laughs> this so podcast gonna, yeah to be on this podcast to say stuff he's already said on talk sport you know what i mean like yeah oh talk sport is it 
Oh, interesting. Who who could that be? <laughs> it literally could be anyone, to be fair. I'm not giving anything away there. Um, yeah. As we descend into some kind of nonsense, I want to end with one that we got on Twitter. I think you'll like this one, actually, uh, from Jack Miller. He says, in a Hunger Games scenario of the current Villa squad, who is the last man standing and who is first out? Now, what would you be judging this on? Is it like a big fight scenario? Is that what we just said? So you've got to think, right? It's like um, Robot Wars just damage speed style <laughs> aggression control. <laughs> if Craig Charles isn't writing it, that'd be sick, man, honestly. Um, I just see the Gabby, comment Defo Gabby. He wasn't Gabby because Gabby, Gabby was on the podcast. You'd need to watch yeah. our podcast, mate, to be fair. Um, Hunger Game scenario. So, oh, this is. I, f- I feel like. You've got to go for the big dog, and it? it's like Fortnite or anything. You got to bat any battle royale. So you got to go for the big. The, the big dog needs to go instantly. So I feel like Tyron Mings, you're gone first. I feel like you're gonna get picked on. People ganging up on you. You reckon? Don't you think he could hold his own though? It's a big guy. Not against if the whole Villa squad, but now we're taking you. Like you got Engels, Kanza, Hawes, Nyland, like, like big arms, swim milling them arms around. <laughs> Depends on the weapons. Are we talking about killing Villa players? <laughs> on the, no, on the I don't know what's happened. I don't um, know what's I think happened. The one that stays. So we're not talking about that. They're not going to be murdered, right? Like they're, they're going to be living. I just think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Nerf guns, right? It's Nerf or whatever. Okay. It's soft, soft play materials. Um, I think the one who would survive to the end. I feel like Heaton. I think because he could get people to follow him, leadership, and then just sack them off. Go, nah, you're you're <laughs> done now. I've um I've done you in. Wow. Nice answer there, yeah. I'll, I'll let you have that one. I mean, for somebody that when we descend into our usual nonsense of these podcasts, you're very much like, oh well, you know, stick to football. You, you don't want to buy into it. Then I ask you a question like that, and you start talking about murdering Villa players. So you're the one who's don't getting carried say away, that, mate. man. Don't, don't say. <laughs> who, but I want to know your answer, man, quickly. Um, I'm going to stick with my, with my guy Tyrone. Just to yeah, go because you couldn't you say it because you didn't follow you on Twitter. <laughs> I wonder whether he still follows me. Shall we have a quick look? <laughs> I wonder if I've annoyed him yet with my tweets about just silly things. Uh, and now he still follows me. I wonder what he thinks. I wonder whether he's he only follows six hundred people. I wonder whether he ever sees my tweets and thinks, "What is he talking about?" Because I tweet some rubbish. To be fair, at least it ain't me. To be fair, I had Keenan Davis follow me because I wrote something nice about me. If you unfollow me the next day. Wow! <laughs> Excellent. So Who, you only your... followed twelve people or something. It was mad. I was just like, "What the hell?" Who's your biggest uh, follower? Like, is it, have you got have you got any footballers that follow you or anything? Nah. Anyone famous? Nah. Okay. Right. That's a boring nah, end to the I, podcast. No, I've got the guy from Trailer Park Boys, Julian. I don't yeah. know who that is. No, Cyrus. Um, Cyrus. He just drives a, a Ferrari around. And he's a bad guy. He's a, he's a cool dude. About him following me, I don't know why he, he DM me as well. I was just like, "What the?" It's a shame we don't get any actual DMs with anything important to talk about, isn't it? Like inside information, <laughs> that'd be nice. Although the thing is, with stuff like that, is if you do, we talked about this the other day. I think if you do have any inside information, usually you can't share it because no, if you if yeah. you have it, you're having it with the knowledge of keep this to yourself for now. So if you share it, you don't get the information in the future anyway. It's like last season with the Douglas Three stuff. People message me saying. Source and I was like me, like, me. It's a- <laughs> I'm putting my neck on the line saying it. But like, if if you get a message to like that, and you know, there's always ways to you can kind of sneakily pull it in. Like last season, yeah. the Jack Button stuff, the Jack Button that was definitely it. What you know, it was on the cards, weren't it? I yeah, was like, it was definitely. I could put, you could just pull it in a root roundup, you know, at the bottom, like Jack Jack Button's on on his way to it. You could just, you yeah. could do you can you can work it in like that. But like you know, you've got to have. It has to be confidentiality. Are people trusting you with this stuff? You can't just name them and 
get that you know, put their job in jeopardy. It's like Nakamba's agent last season. You can't just go, yeah, this guy's told me this, and now he's going to get sacked. But like sometimes you, you do reveal that information because it was like with Nakamba, people were like going, oh, he's on strike. We don't want that player, and that was just clearly not the case. Like, yeah. When, so yeah, you just got to be careful and trusting people and being nice and being a, a thoughtful person with that information rather than you know anyone saying stuff on Twitter. Like they've clearly, there's clearly something that that has gone wrong there because, you know, if you have that information, you're not gonna. That's not the way to divulge it because it's this sometimes disrespectful. I guess. I suppose the flip side of that, the argument from the outside looking in, would be, well, why even know the information in the first place if you can't share it? What's the point of being told that a deal is done if you can't tell anyone? I don't. It's just stuff happens on it, don't it? I guess <laughs> if you ever said a deal's done and it's not, and then because of that, I guess they scuppered the deal. Like, yeah, fair. Stuff like that can happen. So, on you know, the contract deal, stuff is like embargoed and it's kept secure for very good reasons. And that's not to hide it from the public; it's to make sure everything's good to go before you say it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good place to end as we approach an hour. Um, I've got a, another couple of podcasts to do this afternoon, so I've had text from people saying what's happening. So. <laughs> probably need to go uh, if any of you are watching waiting for me to finish i'm with you shortly bear with me um so james thanks for joining me on this episode of the current blue podcast as we said earlier this was streamed live on facebook so if you want to go and follow our facebook page there's a link in the youtube description down below where you can go and engage with us live if you've missed this live then like i said it is available on youtube spotify itunes or any other podcast provider of your choice but if you're 50 minutes into this episode and you weren't here live, you already know that anyway because you're in, on one of those platforms. Um, so pointless ending as always. Thanks very much for all your support. We'll be back at some point when news happens. Um, hopefully it's a sign in the next few days because we're all getting itchy feet a little bit. Is that the right phrase? Itchy feet? It is, isn't it? Cold feet? It's not itchy- athlete's oh, foot you've know. got because of the front of the <laughs> you know, Itchy feet is a sign. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm agitated. Anyway, right, let's just get out of here. This is why we don't do things live too often because we just talk rubbish thanks everyone for tuning in we'll be back soon up the villa guys thank you for listening to claret and blue an aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode until then up the villa